This week for the final Monday Drive of 2019, I wanted to talk to you guys and reflect back a little bit on the past year and a little bit on even the past decade. I also want to tell you a little bit more about who I am and how I got here to talking to you guys right now on the Fit United Podcast. I want to talk to you about some of the things I learned in the past few years, some of my favorite books that have helped shape my thinking lately, and what I'm looking forward to in the next year. All right, you guys ready? Let's get to that intro first. Welcome to the Fit United Radio and Podcast, where each episode we aim to bring you fresh, relevant fitness and health-related news, content, and interviews to help you reach new heights and ultimately become your best and fittest selves. All right, guys, in three, two, and one, let's go. Peter Legg once said, there are no coincidences in life, just opportunities you can either choose to act upon or walk past. I met Peter Legg maybe 15 years ago. He was a speaker at a business and leadership convention that my university put on maybe in my second year of school. If you don't know who Peter Legg is, he is the CEO of Canada Wide Media, a company that produces some of the most widely known magazines throughout Canada. Some of these magazines are BC Business, BC Living, and TV Week, just to name a few. He has also written numerous books, some of which are still my favorites today. The two books that I received from him after attending his keynote are called The Runway of Life and Make Your Life a Masterpiece. Now, this quote of Peter Legs has stuck with me since I read it in one of his books. I can't remember which one, but it really helped me reframe the way I saw the world in a way that it made me feel like I had more control of the things that happened around me. So this is perspective that I want to ask you guys to ponder with me here for a second. At the time of me meeting Peter Legg, the year before I was playing at the highest level I managed to play football at. I played for Simon Fraser University, being recruited uh, to play defensive back. It was my favorite position in high school. Now, as a senior in high school, I won the MVP trophy for being the best player in that position for the entire province. So at the time, it was quite an accomplishment. I had essentially the choice of any school in the country to play football at. I even had one school in Pennsylvania recruit me. I think it was called Lafayette College. It was an Ivy League college, but I just didn't have it in me at the time to go to go there. Anyway, ultimately, I chose to stay local at SFU for various reasons. But even better, though, was when I chose to play at SFU, they not only asked me to play DB or defensive back, which was my favorite position, but also as a wide receiver. Now, at that level of play, it's very uncommon for a player to play both offense and defense. Some players would play special teams as well, so like kickoff or uh, punting team or field goal team, but not both offense and defense. I was one of the only two players on that team who got the honor of being able to play both ways. Now, SFU has academic standards for their players. Uh, During the football season, you needed to maintain a full course load. So that was four classes uh, and you needed to have, uh, you know, a breadth of courses. It didn't really need to matter which ones they were, but you needed to have four classes during the season. Uh, In the off season, so the second semester of the year, you can have a lower course load or catch up um, 
with whatever classes that were not as tough to give your a chance, give yourself a chance to get your GPA back up. Nevertheless, um, I went the route of taking uh, academic courses my first semester. So academic courses are not necessarily breath courses, and they were fairly difficult. Uh, I took law, I believe, uh, law, theory of law, uh, or theory, criminology, uh, theory of criminology. Uh, I took a uh, philosophy course. I took uh, psychology. Uh, a couple other things that uh, were fairly heavy and especially transitioning into university for the first year uh, I made it a bit diff more difficult on myself so anyway I took more these more difficult classes I also had the challenge of balancing two playbooks the offensive and the defensive playbook for the team this full course load and of course transitioning into university life all at the same time now as an athlete uh, you're expected to not only maintain your academic standards but a level of uh, dedication to the practices and and uh, game film and and uh, fitness so you're always in the gym you're always running like we would have 5 a.m. Uh, conditioning practices and then we would have game film before my first eight o'clock class and then we would go through your classes and in between you have you know teammates that would get together and study and things like that but it was always always it was like a full-time job you were there from 5 a.m. And you were there until maybe you know four or five p.m. on a, on a, any given weekday, and then of course you had games and things. So anyway, fast forward to the following summer, I was in a situation where I had to either get my grades up, or I couldn't play. I was put on academic probation, and I was devastated because I knew that that was something that was going to hold me back from being able to play. On top of that, I was training one day. Can't remember when it was. It was a colder morning. I don't think it was the summer. Uh, it was probably in the fall of that year leading up to the season. And I pulled a muscle in my quad. I was doing some sprints, and I don't know what it was, but it was my left quad. I felt like I pulled the muscle, and I, you know, I was limping after these sprints. And I was like, okay, well, I obviously pulled the muscle. I got to take it easy, let it recover. It felt really bad at the time, but then I realized as it wasn't improving over a few days, that it was worse than I originally thought. All right, I had actually torn one of my quadricep muscles, and it's the muscle that runs right down the middle of my left quad, which I believe is the rectus femoris. Now, according to the sports doctors that evaluated my injury a couple of weeks later, uh, it was a tear that they could not reattach. So where it tore, um, sometimes I guess you, you're able to reattach uh, certain things. Perhaps it was tendon to tendon. Um, it might have been something that you could do, but it was, I think, a muscle tear such that it was not something that you couldn't attach, reattach. So you're probably thinking, okay, well, big deal. Uh, the quad's got four muscles in the quad. Uh, you have a minor tear. Well, get over it, right? Well, it wasn't a minor tear. It was a complete tear. Um, if you've ever seen my left leg, uh, there is a massive void at the top of my leg where the muscle used to run, so the upper part of my leg. I've got a lump at the top of my quad, just below the hip flexors, where I think the rectus femoris has decided to just ball up and atrophy over the years. So I like to think of muscles as rubber bands. Uh, they hold our bodies up and they keep us together on that stick frame of ours, right? And when one of those rubber bands stop working or are missing altogether, other parts of the body need to make up for it. So really, uh, from a functional standpoint, squatting uh, at the time was very difficult for me. 
uh, my left quad would seize up and cramp up every time I would put any amount of consistent load on it, every time I would do any sprinting or any any conditioning type movements. So, I mean, I'd be happy to show you. It's kind of gross looking to be honest with you, but in any event, this injury was a major cause of me not being able to play football competitively anymore. So you can imagine a kid with big dreams, playing professionally, being at the top of my game, best in province for what I do with so much potential. Now I can't play football anymore. So for a few years after that, I couldn't even watch a football game on TV. I had to hide all the trophies and medals and reminders of my accomplishments. I just started to hate the game so much. Uh, the game that gave me so much back uh, through my younger years. I mean, I learned so many skills from their leadership, teamwork, communication, uh, perseverance, all these things that uh, the sport gave me. Now I hate it so much because I felt like now it's taking away from my ultimate goal or what I really wanted out of my life. So now more than 15 years later, I'm obviously still very active and I haven't let this injury stop me from being able to move. But at the time, it paralyzed me, obviously figuratively speaking, of course, but I just, at times, I just physically couldn't move. I had no idea what to do with my life. And all I thought at the time was, play football, get through school, be scouted, play in the pros. I didn't plan for anything else that I could do with my life. Now, perhaps that was my shortcoming. I don't know if that was just parents not giving me the guidance or telling me to have a backup plan, but I was going to school, I was taking classes, I was doing those things, the degree would have just was eventually gonna happen. So I think that's perhaps how my parents saw it, but for me, it was secondary to me being able to play at a professional level. I grew up watching the BC Lions, I knew all the players, my dad was there for me while I was you know, growing up as a coach, he even became a coach because he was just there watching my practices and games all the time. He's like, well, screw it. I might as well just coach. I mean, with with that and this being something that I was working towards for so long and now seeing success and all of a sudden all just being swept out from under you, um, obviously, I was devastated. So why am I telling you this story? This was the first major disappointment in my life that I had a very hard time getting over. I mean, obviously, I had some high school relationships that ended. Of course, that wasn't fun either, but this absolutely devastated me. So now going back to the quote about there being no coincidences, just opportunities we can either go after or ignore. Really, what it came down for me was choices. I made choices in that period in my life that led me to, as cheesy as it sounds, where I am today. So now, am I happy about some of these choices? I mean, really, yes and no. I think there were so many lessons that I learned the hard way. First of all, I was very immature. I chose to stay local. I mean, I loved SFU. It was a good school to me, but I chose to stay local. I was too afraid to venture out. I want—I mean, Manitoba was another sh- uh, school that that recruited me, and they were at the top of their game at that point. They were one of the top. Actually, they were the top school uh, in football, uh, and I chose to stay at SFU. I just didn't have it in me to leave my friends or my girlfriend at the time. I just felt like I really needed to stay home. I needed the security blanket of being home. Uh, 
I was naive. I really didn't know what it was like to, to, to live that university life. And I didn't take the time to seek out mentors, people that have already done it, uh, older players, seniors, that could have helped me make better decisions. And if some of them did, I kind of just, perhaps I didn't take it to heart. I didn't really listen. I was too afraid to take what they said to heart because, well, I don't want to just be like them. I want to be better than them. And so a little bit obviously was part of it was I was also very insecure. Um, I wasn't sure of who I was and and having to make decisions based on who I thought I was that really wasn't me, um, I wasn't ready to make those decisions. And so I ended up making these choices. Some of them, obviously they worked out the way they did. Uh, some of them I wasn't very happy about, but nevertheless, I made those decisions. So why this is so important is I realized over time that the mistakes are lessons that people who have come before me have already learned. I just wasn't open-minded enough to listen. So do I believe in coincidences? Uh, not really, I guess. Uh, there have been times where I would run into the same person at the most random of places, different cities even, or just a place I would just never expect to see someone I knew. But I don't think of them as coincidences where some external force had put me and this person in the same place. Ultimately, I made decisions that day that put me there or even before decisions that just led to me being there. And that person also made decisions that put them there at the same time. So maybe that's the part you can call a coincidence being in the same place at the same time. But the significance of that is the difference. I used to think that uh, there was coincidence that coincidences were some sign of something significant between me and that person or me and an opportunity. So now I see encounters like this as just another chance to make a decision based on who I am and the information I have in front of me. I've been guided by this principle ever since I heard this quote and understood it. And I think that's why I want to share with you guys today is that many times in life, we feel like the world is telling you something, like there's some sign that we can't ignore. This, I think, puts us in this reactive mentality, like things are happening around us and they're just beyond our control. Obviously, there are things that are out of our control, like the weather, or if someone decides to run a red light and causes an accident. But there are th things that we can control, like the decision to get up every morning with purpose, to be present with your kids when you interact with them, or to give your partner undivided attention when they're communicating with you, when they're trying to tell you something, like to work out, to exercise with intent, to be purposeful in your actions. These are the things that we can control. And I stopped seeing things like a bunch of coincidences happening all around me and took control of the variables that I could control. Honestly, I used to blame every negative thing that happened to me on, on someone else, whether it was my injury, my choice of classes, my first semester in university, me changing careers, the career that I chose, even some failed relationships. So do you think there are coincidences in your life that have materially impacted who you are now? Is there something that you feel has happened to you as a result of a coincidence that changed the trajectory of your life? Let me know. Uh, I'm super curious to see what you guys think. Anyways, with that in mind, here are some reflections about the past year and maybe even the past 10 years and the events that has shaped my life now. All right, so some of the easy obvious ones, I got married in April. Had a son, Cruz, who's now eight months old. 
We opened a gym, now it's in its second year in operation. I started my own brand, Fit United. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Oh, this is the one thing I want to talk to you about. Well. Music. I also realized in the 2010s, in the past decade, in terms of music, uh, it just wasn't up to par with the 2000s. And even the 90s, especially the 90s. I mean, if you, have, if you guys have Spotify, just pull up some of the decade playlists and have a listen. I feel like the quality of music has declined. I mean, it peaked, I think, in the 2000s. I mean, come on. Casey and JoJo, early Ludacris, What's Your Fantasy? Come on, Jigga, L Cool J, Babyface, Sean Paul, Mario, Genuine, some of that early Usher stuff. You make me want to come on. That was the prime and now i don't even know i can't even list names i mean uh sean mendez like the jonas brothers i mean they're great but i don't really listen to them um yeah i think we've really taken a decline on the music front now the internet iphones and smartphones in general they're a game changer the way we communicate has dramatically changed and i think we lost the ability to really connect with people I can think of so many instances in the past year where a text was misunderstood or misinterpreted and ended up causing more grief than it really needed to. I mean, emojis and memes that are great, okay, but it's just not the same as a conversation. So I really, I think that's why I'm so glad I took the leap to start this podcast again. I had my first two episodes, which were <laughs> some major work in progress. Uh, but two years ago, I started two years ago, and I think it's interesting that one of the oldest forms of communicating remotely, instead of face-to-face, -face, is the radio. And it's now made essentially a major comeback in the form of podcasts. This is me having a conversation with you. Now, of the hundreds of people I communicate with every week, I would say 90% of those conversations are through using my voice. Whether it's on a microphone in one of my classes, you know, telling you exercises, motivating you face-to-face, -face, uh, just talking in the lobby, talking here at the gym, seeing you on the street, friends, over a phone call. This is what I love to do, and that's converse. I love listening, I love talking, and being able to connect with people, and that's why I'm so glad that this medium is, is a thing, uh, despite the internet, or because of the internet. Um, this barrier to entry, to communicate, uh, is dramatically easier um, to, to, con to connect uh, using all of these tools that we all have in our hands, right? I also love writing. That's another thing I learned uh, over the last few years, uh, kind of reinforced uh, my love for writing. I learned that uh, I loved writing as a creative outlet when I was in high school. I just never pursued it. I mean, I have a blog on my website, um, so I have a few articles on there. Um, I think I have a New Year's article there too. Uh, I'm going to share that with you guys, my thoughts on New Year's resolutions and things. But I learned that blogs were, I mean, becoming just all about SEO, you know, search engine optimization. So you throw a keyword here, there, everywhere in the title, excuse me, and that was the focus. And it felt like the message of what these blogs were saying were just getting lost in a bunch of keywords that were getting thrown in. So they're not necessarily useful or insightful or heartfelt content that that I actually wanted to read and connect. And I mean, there's some, there's obviously some exceptions and that's for every industry, whether it's fitness or um, 
gaming or whatever uh, there's always a every in every niche there are the good ones and the bad ones but i feel like there's just so many bad ones that blogs have kind of just gotten lost so it turned it turned me off to it a little bit but i still know that writing will always be one of my passions and i intend to write a book down the road now you're probably thinking well about what i mean i'm thinking well, about what like what the hell do i know so much about that i could write a book about it but i've got some ideas uh i really want to write something that'll help people get started on their fitness journey i think um the barrier to entry is a lot smaller than people think or people in my position have made others think um, I think that's the problem with the fitness industry is I think um, as a personal trainer or as a, an expert in this field, um, we, we collectively uh, and certain people uh, who feel they need to do this, uh, they need to make people who are perhaps contemplating getting into, the, into fitness for the first time, whether it's um, you know, getting their own fitness journey started, like losing some weight, getting stronger, or taking it to the next level. Maybe they wanted to enter the industry as a trainer, um, or uh, I don't know, perhaps a, an RMT or whatever. And um, people who are in this field are so protective of, of their job, and it's like, well, uh, it's it's very difficult, or you got to go through jump through hoops here and there. Um, it's not as difficult as some people may lead you to believe. And especially when you're just getting started on your own fitness journey, trying to make yourself healthier. And I think that's something that I want to write about is, is that it's not that scary. I mean, I know when I first stepped into the gym, it was very scary. I thought I had to make the, this, you know, I wanted to, you know, know everything before I got there. And I was going to be very, I was, I felt very insecure about all these exercises that I was doing and I needed to make sure that I watched the YouTube videos of it first and it just it, it wasn't really a workout I mean everyone starts somewhere but I want to make that barrier to entry um, a lot less daunting all right so Seth Godin the legend himself he even said uh, that blogs are dying out going back to blogs here for a second this is why I want to write a book blogs are dying out and other mediums of communication are coming to the forefront and uh, podcast podcasting is one of them. Uh, I'm just so happy that I'm able to reach even further now through podcasting, not just my immediate contacts or friends uh, on Facebook or Instagram. My reach has increased now because of being able to podcast and speak to you guys. And I really want to double down on accomplishing the goals that I have through this medium. So in recent years, I have been in the best shape of my life about as healthy as I was when I was at my peak football shape. I was a stick, by the way. I was thinking about this. I was a stick when I was uh, growing up. Uh, in my teenage years, I couldn't gain weight. So I was my height now, uh, six foot one, and 160 pounds was as far as I would get. That was, I could not gain a pound more. Uh, I would eat tons of food. I would load on breakfast. Um, I even asked guys who were, bigger than me uh, and about my height or taller what the heck they were doing so they could gain some muscle and all that stuff but I just could not gain a pound of weight if my life depended on it but anyway so I'm in the best shape of my life not presently uh, obviously there's been other things uh, factors in my life but I would say in the last few years collectively I've been in the best shape of my life um, especially after having changed careers and now being in uh, the fitness industry it really uh, helps my understanding help my understanding of what it takes 
to be in this best shape. And it's not just physical, guys. It's a lot of it too is your mental health. Um, and these two things really work hand in hand. If um, you know the psychological side of you is lacking or suffering, the physical side will follow and vice versa. I really think that they go hand in hand. And so in terms of being in my best shape, um, it's collectively both the psychological and my physical health has really um, gone along, come a long way since, since even a few years ago. I also learned that uh, pursuing your passions is not just a cheesy catchphrase that's gotten overused. Now, I used to work in a job that paid the bills and it afforded me a home a fancy car, nice shoes, and I guess you could say a relatively comfortable lifestyle. But I knew as I got closer to leaving that industry altogether, I realized that I was slowly dying one day at a time. I really felt that way. Now, maybe it was just the circumstances around that time uh, that led me to leave. I mean, I was always sitting behind the desk, um, not really communicating with people at all. I was in front of a computer, um, just a lot of number crunching and things like that. Um, I really only communicated with one, two, maybe three people at most on any given day. Um, and, you know, sometimes those people aren't the most positive uh, influences in terms of energy. Um, and it, 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 inf it impacted how I saw things. I didn't feel uh, like I was growing. I felt like I was slowly dying. Uh, also, um, I wasn't as healthy or active. I was going to the gym very, very, you know, periodically, like maybe once a week, if that. And I really didn't know what I was doing. Uh, so that didn't help. And I also had a relationship at the time that was on the rocks for, for a number of reasons, but that didn't help, uh, I think, the, the circumstances that I was in. But beneath all of it though, despite all of this stuff that was going on, there was this feeling that I wasn't doing what I was meant to be doing. Now who knows, maybe I'm not doing what I'm meant to be doing even now, right? But it sure feels like I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, so a great book, by the way, on finding your passions uh, really helped me to hone in on what I love to do. It's called Finding Your Element by Ken Robinson. Now, I gave this book away to a couple of people. Um, actually, that's one of the things that I've learned is that there's certain things, certain books that have improved my life. And when I see or hear, you know, someone close to me, perhaps struggling, uh, and I know when I was in that position, uh, some resource helped me get through it. Um, I love being able to pass it on. And so this, anyway, this is a great book. It's called Finding Your Element by Ken Robinson. So that's another thing I learned is that a book is never a bad investment. I especially like physical books. I like having books. Uh, I think it's a legacy I can leave for my kids and grandkids. Um, something that they can hold on to to say, you know, my dad used to read. This is the books that he read. This is how he became the person that he is. I've also bought some ebooks too. I have a Kindle that's convenient to pack and all that, but I like having these books. Now, I don't like marking up my books. I don't like dog earing pages, excuse me, and things like that. Um, but I like having the physical book. It's like, it's almost like something that I, um, it's a collection that I have. It's, it's important to me. Anyway, so here's some of the books that have really helped shape my way of thinking in the past few years. So 
Everything Robin Sharma. Robin Sharma, guys. Uh, he's got a podcast too. Uh, I don't think he had a podcast when I first started listening to him or reading his books. Uh, he has a number of books, and I've I've got probably all of his books. Started with the Greatness Guides. Now uh, these are two books. There's Greatness Guides one and two. Every chapter is like a page or two, but it's like a simple little lesson you can take away that day uh, that you you can apply in your life right away. And um, he uses his own examples. He uses celebrities, um, examples and things like that. So Greatness Guides, great, easy, digestible, um, actionable book. A few of the other ones, uh, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, The Saint, The Surfer, and The CEO. Who Will Cry When You Die, which is very much like The Greatness Guides. That's actually a very important question. You got to ask yourself, who will cry when you die? I mean, I could talk about this for a whole other episode, but I think that really that question speaks to what is your legacy, right? Uh, and the last uh, one of the other books that uh, thought about Robin Sharma is The Leader with No Title. Great book. Uh, Paulo Coelho, another great author. I think I literally own every book he's ever written. I even have a signed copy of his book, Aleph. Now, I wish I had seen him in person to have him sign the book. Um, I just bought the book that had his signature on it. Uh, it cost a little bit more, but now I've got a signature on the book, which is fucking cool. But some of my other favorites uh, of Paulo Coelho's are The Alchemist, of course, by the River Pedro. I sat down and wept. Now, I'm trying to think of why this was one of the ones that stood out to me. I think it was right after a breakup. I read this and that was really what, what it was all about. It was about, uh, yeah, it was just about uh, recovering or, or coping from, from a, a breakup or something like that. Anyway, a good book. Uh, Warrior of the Light is another good one by Paula Coelho. I'm sure everyone's heard of Mitch Album. I'm a huge fan. Mitch Album, guys. Tuesdays with Maury. This is the book that I've given away the most. Probably 10 or more people have this book because I gave it to them. Um, this book, I don't know what it is, it's game changing. So if you've never read it, I think there's a movie out about it now, probably check on Netflix or something. I saw the play Arts Club uh, put this play on and it was just two actors. It was Maury and uh, the actor playing Mitch, who was obviously the author. Um, it was so well done and I brought my mom to it and we cried and it was just an emotional wreck, but great book. Nevertheless, you can find it literally in every bookstore. The Five People You Meet in Heaven is another great book. And For One More Day. Actually, I just remembered another one. Uh, it's called The Last Lecture by Randy Posh. The Last Lecture by Randy Posh. He um, has since passed, uh, but it was literally a book that he had written about the last lecture he was going to give um, his university. So he was a professor and uh, at Carnegie Mellon and he knew that he was ill and he wanted to have one last lecture. So he had boiled down all of his life's lessons into this one last lecture. And of course it was put into a book. Actually, you could probably YouTube the lecture um, but also, yeah, I love the book itself as well. But YouTube the lecture and you can see uh, who Randy Posh is. Great book. Um, lastly, I want to talk... Oh, actually, there's a couple other uh, authors um, and a few more books here that I want to share with you guys. Some of the more formative books that I've read. Uh, Tim Ferriss. Obviously, I'm so engaged with his work. He does his work so well and his ability to connect is just bar none. 
Um, so he wrote a few books, the four hour work week, the four hour body tools of Titans. And he also has a great podcast to listen to, uh, aptly named the Tim Ferriss show. All right. So very easy to find Tim Ferriss, um, big fan and Lewis house. Now Lewis house, he has a podcast called the school of greatness. Now I love, I love his podcast. I love his communication style, his ability to connect. Um, I even modeled the style of the Fit United podcast a little bit towards uh, Lewis House. I, I borrowed one of his questions. Uh, admittedly, uh, I love. I just love how he engages with people and understands people. So he has a book as well by the same name, The School of Greatness, um, and he has another one that I haven't read, but The Mask of Masculinity, uh, talking about vulnerability as a man, um, talks about how his traumas in his past have formed who he is today. Um, haven't read that one, but I will recommend his first book, The School of Greatness. I will also highly recommend you listen to his podcast because it's fucking amazing. Um, and he has awesome guests on there. And uh, in terms of long-term goals, The School of Greatness is my long-term goal. I want to be on that level of professionalism, communication, and um, just understanding of the human being. Uh, I think Lewis Howes does a great job of that. So anyway, big fan of Lewis Howes. Anyway, these are the ones that come to mind right away as being very impactful to me. Let me know if you've read any of these books, uh, what you think of them. And if you decide to pick them, some of them up, let me know. What else have I learned uh, in the past few years? Ah, I learned that being kind to people is as much selfish as it is selfless. Now think about that for a second. Being kind to people is as much selfish as it is selfless. Now think about this for a sec. Being kind and caring for others wholeheartedly obviously is great. Um, whomever you come across and be of service to will be appreciated uh, or they will appreciate that you are kind and caring. But think about it. In a way, you satisfy a basic human selfish need to belong and be loved, right? It's a part of uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And even higher up on that spectrum of needs is the esteem need, right? Which is being recognized and a sense of accomplishment. So to me, when someone tells me that I've motivated them to come work out, uh, come to a class, come to their training session with me, when everything in their mind is body and body is telling them no, to me, that is a sense of accomplishment because I've managed to push them outside of their comfort zone. I've done something for them, something small, but maybe significant down the road. And to me, that's an accomplishment. Now, when someone tells me that they've cut out a bad habit or they've accomplished this health goal that they, they set or they overcame an injury because of my help, I feel incredibly fulfilled. Like to me, that's what fuels my fire. And I know it sounds cheesy, but it really does. I think giving back is a gift to others, but really is also just a gift to myself or yourself. And, uh, I, it's why I think being kind is just as much selfish as it is selfless. So be kind, people. All right. All right. Oh, actually, this reminds me. I wanted to go back to why I created Fit United in the first place. I know I said I was going to mention, talk a little bit about it more here um, closer to the end of the, the podcast. But Fit United, what the hell does that mean? Um, Fit United, my motto is essentially if you flip it around, unity and fitness. All right, unity and fitness. And I think when I first started on my fitness journey, I saw that it was a very segregated community. I think I talked about that a little bit earlier. 
it was very clicky and it made me just not want to go to the gym like i would people see people standing around a machine that i want to to use and instead of excusing myself or whatever i would just kind of avoid it not do that exercise and then eventually there was so many fucking clicks in the gym that i'm just like okay well i'm just gonna be finished building my workout and move on now obviously that's an extreme example but you could probably find that in every gym commercial gym that you go to there's going to be clicks standing around here texting over here sharing a, a, a bench you know a bench machine or bench bench press uh for the entire hour that they're there and you just and nevertheless the the the, the community or the environment um when i first started was not necessarily the best and i think when I think about Fit United and what that name means to me, it's the elimination of that clickiness. Uh, an old person, uh, you know, a senior coming into the gym, feeling comfortable to come into the gym because they know that every other member there is going to acknowledge them. Is going to be a, it's just another friend that uh, has the same goals to improve themselves that day right they're going to come into the gym they're going to improve upon themselves and maybe come across somebody who's also coming into the gym for the first time and they're going to help them improve even a little bit that day share with them what exercise would be good for for this or whatever without it being without it feeling intimidating i think that's what this brand or what this name means to me um being at a gym to work on yourself is hard enough already. And now you have to deal with the social aspect of being in the gym. And to be honest, that's just a barrier that's prevented so many people from even starting on their fitness journey in the first place. So literally, I built it into the name Fit United, Unity and Fitness. Uniting people so that as a personal trainer, you wouldn't feel uncomfortable coming to me with all your challenges. Um, the things that were holding you back from making a positive change in life, you know, to take that first step to get past your own inhibitions or your own fears. You know, it's so much so that we even built a gym that is built around the foundation that literally anyone can be a part of a fitness community and you can start that journey with us. I think that's why it's so important. I don't see that enough. There's too much, uh, in the fitness industry, there's too much elitism. Like, I'm better than you, I'm more shredded than you, I've got less body fat than you, I've got more resources, I've got more this, more that, so come to me, I'm the best, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna make you, you know, exactly what I am. And I found that that message is very inaccurate. Uh, I like to, you know, people have been talking about how Instagram as an example is just the highlight reel and there's one trainer in particular who's actually like a personal trainer a celebrity personal trainer very well-known trainer he's like really got to think about it guys the people you see for the most part on social media you're seeing their highlight reel uh, what about the real stuff what about all the struggles that it took for them to get to that the years it took to look the way they do the dedication that it took. People skip that part and just say, look at me, buy my product, and you're gonna look like me. And really, it doesn't happen overnight, but they're gonna promise lofty things. And I feel like I'm shitting on the fitness industry as a whole, but really, 
it's become too much of that. There's no authenticity anymore. There's no realism. So anyway, without me getting off, you know, onto a big tangent about it, Fit United really stands for unity in fitness. All right. But what about the logo? You're probably wondering, well, F you, right? Yeah. Well, F you too, right? F you, man. Well, think about what F you stands for. What is the connotation that is attached to F you? I really thought about this for a second. Actually, not for a second, for a lot longer than a second, but Fit United, obviously the first letters are F and U. And I was thinking, well, shit, how can I make a logo that, you know, like I really like the New York Yankees, like NY, kind of like, you know, overlapping one another. You know, I, I really like that. And I was thinking, how can I do this with F and U? People are going to think that all I want to do is just swear at everybody. Like, you know, here I'm wearing a hoodie. I actually got, you know, one of these hoodies. It's got a big FU on the front. And people are probably thinking, well, fuck you too, man. Uh, what's with the profanity? But in my mind, I'm thinking, why can't we change that negative connotation that's attached to FU? Like, it doesn't have to stand for fuck you. I mean, it could uh, in a different light. But I don't think fuck you should have a monopoly on the initials F and U. So my goal with Fit United and the FU logo is to change that connotation. I want it to mean something else. I want it to be, be bigger than the profanity that it that people just immediately associate it with. I mean, fuck you could also be meaning, well, fuck you, I'm gonna crush my goals. It's almost like a, uh, an image of defiance. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be better than I was yesterday or I'm gonna be better than all the, the doubters and all the haters and things like that. It could mean that too, which is totally cool, but I also want it to mean unity. I want it to mean fitness. I want it to mean positive things, positive connotation and not just the profanity that people just assume. So. That's what I want to do with it, and I think that's that's my goal is to change what those two letters mean. It should be a simple strength. F you to the clicks, being uncomfortable in your own skin, in a gym, in a social setting, all of that. All right, it has to stand for something more, and to me, and I hope over time to you guys, it will stand for fitness and united for all. All right? Okay, guys, I think that's all I got. Uh, hopefully, you were able to learn a little bit more about me, my story, why I do what I do now, and what I think FU should really stand for. Now, I've learned a lot in the past year, let alone the past decade. I turned 30 in the past decade. I changed careers, traveled. I've loved and lost and now love very, very deeply again. I always find it so interesting that a new year symbolizes a fresh start to a lot of us. And it's a fresh new calendar year, the reset of dates and all of that stuff. But really what I see, it's a break from all the holidays and festivities and really for the first three months of the year until I guess Easter or spring break, none of us really have an excuse to be distracted and not focused on our goals, especially if it's health related and holidays are being used as an excuse to eat poorly. And I know you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. So anyway, guys, that's all I got for you today. Hope you have an amazing new year. Celebrate, enjoy it, 
be ready, set some goals. I know it's clicky or uh, it's, it's cliche, but set some goals and be ready to crush it, guys. This is a great time to start setting those, thinking about the things that we can improve upon, reflecting back on the past year, even the past decade, and things that we know we can improve upon for ourselves. It's always about being better. I have a sticker, uh, I had a sticky note on my bedroom door uh, when I lived at home that said, what did you today to make yourself a better version of you? Right, so that's a nice daily reminder, and I'm gonna throw that out there, guys. Have a little daily reminder, always improving daily, even a little bit at a time. All right, so this is Kevin signing out for the final time in 2019. I will see you guys in the next year, the next decade, the next episode, all of that. Happy New Year, guys! Thanks so much for listening in. Thank you for being part of the Fit United fam. I love you all. Peace.